take our Bibles this evening, turn to Acts 13. I've been blessed this evening to hear of God's provision and for heritage this evening, how using your faithful giving church to meet the needs here and then abroad through missions givings. And so I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful in your giving and the Lord's blessing your efforts. And uh, tonight I want to read this passage of scripture where the church at Antioch, we're going to have five leaders of this church that are mentioned here and then the stating of two of these leaders leaving their church, departing from their church, being sent out of their church. And it was all for good. It was all part of God's will. And I trust tonight that the testimony of the Smiths and this passage of Scripture and the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts and that we will all be open to God's leading and calling is in our lives, whether that is to remain right here or if God were to call others across um, to different aspects of ministry at uh, some other place. Let's read these four verses. It says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manon, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they minist- as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And it goes on to describe what we would know as the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And so this is a significant portion of Scripture as we, uh, we see now the, the church which began in Jerusalem, uh, I believe with Jesus and his apostles, uh, and then empowered at, at Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. Uh, the church began in Jerusalem, and the church at Jerusalem had uh, dynamic and massive and explosive growth in a short period of time. Uh, You read through the book of Acts, uh, the church is being added to daily. And at some point, the the author of Acts, Luke, he quits using the term added, and he says the church multiplied. It was growing by leaps and bounds. And and the church was, uh, uh, in fact, some estimate that the church probably reached a, a, a... an attendance of over 100,000 within the congregation. I've heard up to 120,000 that the church grew to. It's just a massive, explosive growth. And we would typically look at that as a good thing. But I remind you what Acts chapter 1 says in verse number 8. Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem. But that's not where the verse starts, stops, excuse me, does it? It says, in Jerusalem... And in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And it seems as if you study the book of Acts, the church at Jerusalem stayed in Jerusalem. But their commission was to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. So it's interesting. In Acts 1.8 we have this command. In Acts chapter 8 verse 1, God used a man named Saul and others 
to create havoc in the church, and it caused a dispersion from the church in, or from the folks in Jerusalem. They dispersed to various parts, and even some of those places that are named would be similar or to the same regions as what was said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So it's been said that if you don't obey Acts 1, 8, God may send something into your life to cause you to obey his commission. God sent Saul in there, and it caused a dispersion. And so then you do see the church going to different regions, and churches being established, including in Antioch. Now, Antioch, we never learn of it growing to the, to the extent that the church at Jerusalem did. But what you do learn of the church at Antioch is they become a sending church. They become a church that sends people out, and it seems that from this point on in the book of Acts, the church at Antioch seems to be the headquarters of where God is moving and working things through them. And so here are these five leaders here. And by the way, I want to state this. I'm thrilled that I get to be a part of a church that has historically been that way, has sent out missionaries. Uh, we're grateful to have one of those representatives here with us this evening and, and Justin Hayes and, and, and our other missionaries that are across the world that you've had a part in that with church planners leaving this church and going uh, with your blessing, your commission, your support, planning churches in other parts of the state, other parts of our country, and other parts of the world. I'm grateful to be a part of that, and it is my heart's desire that that continues at Heritage. That we'll see other young men, other young families and couples, other middle-aged couples and families and, 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 and elderly retired people that are saying, listen, I'll go where God calls me to go and that we'll support that, that we'll be behind that. As I look at this situation here, here are these five men listed, and then two of them are going to leave. And you think about the two that leave. We, we learn a little bit about, or we, we have some ideas on these other three men. We'll come back and talk about Barnabas and Saul in just a moment. But first you have this man called Simon, uh, Simon who they all call, also called Niger. Uh, we, what we learn about this man is, uh, that he was probably from Africa, he was probably a black man, uh, Simon called Niger, and um, uh, there are many that believe that this may be Simon of Cyrene that is mentioned to us in the book of Mark chapter 15 during the crucifixion of Jesus. Do you remember in Mark 15, Jesus was bearing his cross and, and making his way to Golgotha, making his way to Calvary, and along the way his body gives out and the Roman soldiers grab a man called Simon of Cyrene, a man from Africa, and says, you'll bear his cross and take it. And this man is drafted into duty, and many believe that this is the same Simeon or Simon uh, that, that was there in Mark chapter 15. In Mark 15, it mentions his children. Mark mentioned his children, and those men are mentioned, Rufus is at least mentioned again later in the life of Paul. And so there seems to be some connection, and it seems to be a good possibility. This is the same man. And if that was his introduction to Christ, there on the road to Calvary, what an impact that made in his life. Turned him around, born again and saved. The next man in this list here is a man named Lucius of Cyrene. 
Again, we heard the word Cyrene back in Mark 15 where Simeon was from. And perhaps Simeon went back to Cyrene, reached this man named Lucius, and now he's a part of this church in Antioch. And then there's a man named Manon, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Manon was this individual that was raised, it appears to be, in some type of um, uh, formality. Uh, maybe his parents were involved in the government. He was raised or he was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. This is the same Herod that would, uh, 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 would take uh, Herodias, uh, Herodias from her husband. The same one that John the Baptist would preach against. And the same one that had the head of John the Baptist removed when Herodias requested that. Uh, this is the same one that would mock Jesus. And can you imagine these two growing up together and one becomes this beast of a man named Herod the Tetrarch and one becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. And here he is, a, a, a leader in this church. He's a prophet and a teacher, all three, all five of these men. Uh, they're, they're involved in proclaiming God's word in various aspects. But we know more about these other two, don't we? Barnabas. We're introduced to him in Acts chapter 4 where he's partaking in an offering. He's received this, uh, uh, this, this nickname which means he's a, a, a son of consolation. He's a son of encouragement. He was a, a, an individual that encouraged the believers there. He was the one that first brought Saul, this man that had been the great persecutor of the church, and, and took him under his, his wing and, and welcomed him when, when most of the early church didn't believe it, didn't trust Saul, wanted nothing to do with him. Here's this great encourager, Barnabas. And then, of course, Saul, from the great par persecutor to the great preacher. God used this man to, uh, on these three missionary journeys to be to start multiple churches or be involved in multiple churches. Who knows how many people were saved just during the life and ministry of Paul and then how God has used what he used Paul to write for us. I mean, think of the millions and the millions of the people that have been led through the Romans road, as Brother John mentioned here just a moment ago uh, with the seals ministry. God used this man, Saul, who later becomes Paul, to do that. And so when you think about these five individuals, God calls two of them. So let me just give you a few thoughts this evening that, that I hope will help us from this, this, this account here. It, it, it is God's will, we see, that some would stay there in, in uh, um, uh, Antioch and others or some would depart from them. It doesn't seem like God's sending the best ones away. And sometimes that's hard for us as a church. We think, how? Now, I know right now they're not leaving. Did you notice Tom said right now they're willing to go part-time? But Tom's leaving that door open. God may call them full-time one day. Uh, Justin and Grace and their family. I mean, you think what a wonderful, beautiful family this is. And, and they're, they're leaving. And, and these other families, we think about that. Those are the best of us. And sometimes we might think, well, we can't do it without them. And I want to remind you, God often does take the best of us to go out and do his will. 
And that relies the rest of us to trust God. It, re, it, it requires the rest of us to say, you know what? They did do a lot here at Heritage. I'm going to have to step up and fill that, that, that spot now. Through my years of ministry, um, uh, you know, I've been in the ministry for 28, going on my 29th year, and I've been involved in three other ministries prior to Heritage. And I, I left three other ministries prior to coming to Heritage. I want you to know, all three ministries are still doing fine since I've left them. They've survived just fine without Mark. I can't believe it. But that happened. They're fine. And if I had to leave Heritage, you know what? Heritage can be fine. And if God called you, Heritage can be fine. God's not uh, done with this ministry just because he's calling someone out of this ministry. But it does require people to say, you know what? I'll step up. Uh, Maybe I'm not as involved as I should be. Maybe I'm not doing all that I know I should be doing right here. And I want to step up and fill those holes that will appear. So God calls some to go and some to stay. Let me encourage you, let the Holy Spirit be the one that calls and directs and guides. Uh, Tonight it's certainly not my desire for me to guilt somebody into ministry. To make you feel like, well, I better do so. No, I want as the Holy Spirit directs in your life that you're willing to do that. To avoid the calling of God is to be in disobedience to God. If Tom and Katie would have said no or made excuses, they would be in direct disobedience to God's calling in their lives. If Justin and Grace would have said no those many years ago before they went, they would have been in direct disobedience to God. Whether God's calling you to work in the nursery, in a Sunday school class, a junior church, our outreach ministries here, or to surrender to missions or something else, to be in disobedience to that is, or to, to avoid that is to be in direct disobedience to God. I'd encourage you this evening to get uh, your, be certain of God's direction in your life and to be uh, in the center of God's will. Now you'll see this evening, and what we're going to end our service with tonight is there in verse number three, we're not going to fast this evening, but we are going to pray this evening. And I want us to have a time of prayer over the Smiths and we're going to have some of our men come up and we'll lay hands on Tom and, and we want to commission them and we want to send them forth from us as they begin this ministry. But I want to encourage you tonight. They need your prayers much more after tonight. We don't just pray for them this evening and say that's, that's it. No, this is now our responsibility to pray for this family. They need our prayers much more than they need our financial support. God can take care of those physical needs and those materialistic needs, those financial needs, and he, they need us to be faithful to pray for them, to ask for God's hand of protection upon them as they travel, to open up doors for them and opportunities for them. I think again here about the real-life example before us this evening. 
as Justin received difficult news this week. I know it would be a comfort to them, and I was speaking to Mrs. Hayes this evening about how she can feel God's presence and God's help, and no doubt people praying, believers all across from their past life, all across this country and this world, praying for them. I believe it was last week Brother Fair mentioned about a time in their ministry where something difficult was happening and, and, and tracing it back at a meeting with a, some lady comes to him and saying, hey, what was going on in your life and time during this, this season? And they were able to look back at those dates and they realized that that was a night uh, of a great trial. And she said, that evening, God would not let me rest without praying for your family. And church, we need to be praying, not just for them this evening as we Send them out, but as they continue to minister and serve, that they know their church family is lifting them up faithfully in prayer. So this evening, our invitation is going to be a a combination of things. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the Smith family to come down here, and they're going to take the center point of this altar, and and myself and Pastor Tangeman and our deacons, we're going to gather around them, but then I want to invite... Any that would like to join in support of, yeah, I want to pray for the Hayes family. Although you may not pray publicly this evening, out loud this evening, I want to, you want to be a part of that. And then I want to say, if God's working in other hearts, you've heard the testimony of Tom this evening, and, and that registered, that hit your heart, because God may be doing a work in your life of calling you to some type of ministry. Would you come and join us this evening? And Let's conclude our service tonight with a a prayer of blessing and commission upon this family and upon this ministry, and then that the Lord would also work in other hearts here this evening. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this evening? And Tom and Katie and kids, would you come down to the front here and join me and our deacons and Pastor Tangerman, would you come along?